if there's something that can be reused or repurposed instead of thrown away, then we're going to find a way to do that. And that is what he was all about. What do you get when you take a junkyard, some pigs, and a whole lot of ambition? Well, you get one of the largest companies in Ohio. We're talking about William Rumkey and the dynasty he started nearly 100 years ago. So how does somebody go from farm work to landfill? We'll talk about that and more on this month's edition of Hey Cold Rain. Hey Cold Rain, I'm Helen, the communication specialist for the township. In the 1930s, William Rumkey set something in motion that would inevitably become the largest company in Coleraine Township. But how does somebody go from being a farmer in rural Cincinnati to the family-owned empire it is today? We're going to find that out, and to help me do it, I want to welcome Amanda Pratt, the Director of Corporate Communications for Rumkey. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So first, tell us a little bit about you, what you do with Rumkey, and how long you've worked there. Well, um, I started working in Rum- at Rumkey in 2000, so uh, we're going on 20, 23, almost 24 years ago. Um, and I handle the corporate communications, so that includes things like public outreach and education, so all of our tours and presentations at local schools. It also includes advertising and communications with our customers, um, the website, social media, of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube. Um, so it's a little bit of everything. Um, and some of, sometimes we get to talk to the media and tell our story, which is something that I love to do. It sounds like you got a little bit of everything going on. Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a lot of variety and it's a lot of fun. Our industry, I think, is one that not a lot of people think about. You know, you put your trash and recycling at the curb and it disappears. And as long as it's gone, it's something we, we all don't always want to think about. Um, so I, I really love getting the opportunity to explain the complexities of the environmental industry and what goes into it. it it's really an exciting and fast-paced, changing um advanced industry. And it's it's pretty exciting to be part of it. Well, let's dive right in. So as the largest company in Coleraine Township with services that span across the tri-state, this isn't something that, you know, happened overnight. So how did Rumkey get its start? How was it founded? Well, it was founded in 1932 by William F. Rumkey. And William had a business where he delivered um, coal to people's houses. And it was the Great Depression. So sometimes people couldn't afford to pay him for the delivery. So he would take items in trade. And at one point he received a payment of six pigs and he brought the pigs back to his property and he really didn't have anything to feed them with. So he told his relatives to go into town and collect trash from the restaurants, just leftover food scraps. And that's kind of where it all started. So eventually six hogs became 2000 hogs. The William F. Rumkey bought his first 80 acres of land in Coleraine Township in 1945. He had the he had 2,000 hogs by the time it was all said and done, but he had sheep and cattle and chicken. It was a regular farm, um, and he continued to feed the hogs by collecting trash from restaurants and from people's houses eventually. And it worked really well until the late 1950s. And that's when the Food and Drug Administration said, if you're going to sell the hogs as meat for consumption, then they can't be fed trash. So he decided everyone in town kind of depended on the family to come by each week and take their trash away. So eventually got rid of the farming operation and continued collecting waste 
And by the 1960s, he had by then teamed up with his brother Bernard Rumpke, and the two of them had grown the business, and they had sons, and their sons were Bill and Tom Rumpke. And Bill and Tom decided to take over the business from their fathers. They added Rumpke commercial container service. They began working with municipalities to start up um, municipal contracting services, and they really grew the business through a lot of acquisitions and growth throughout the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, um, and 90s. And so today, Rumpke is actually ranked as the 11th largest waste and recycling company in North America. And our recycling center right here in Cincinnati is the fourth largest in North America. Oh my goodness. So we've come a long way. Um, The landfill that's here in Coleraine Township is, of course, our corporate headquarters. Um, But we service Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and a bit of West Virginia, We're also um, 4,000 employees company-wide, 2,700 trucks. Um, It's it's just really grown over the years. And now the fourth generation is getting involved in the company today. So that's exciting to see. And and one of the things I just love about Rumpke is the fact that the family that's involved, there's about 80 family members still involved in different capacities throughout the company today. And they just have such a passion for what they do and the service they provide, and making sure that it's a complete solution for everybody. Um, So it's a lot about research and long-term strategic planning and thinking, and they're all in. I mean, they're just all over it. So it's it's really exciting to see where we started and now where we're going. That family element, too, is really important. Um, why, Why is it important to the Rumpke family to try to keep so many of their family members involved rather than kind of hire out? I think it's a natural progression for them. I I mean, it started with William F. Rumke and Bernard and and then their sons and then their sons and daughters and nieces, nephews, cousins. Um, But one of the things that I've always heard talked about is the whole idea that more is expected out of the family members. That's their last name on the trucks, on the company. So um, they have to do, be able to do the job, know the business, but also excel because they're they're the family. And one of the ways that they've always done that is no one is handed a position or handed a job. It's about going out, getting your education and working your way up so that you know how to do all the different jobs that you're asking other employees to do. So um, they've all, you know, they go out, they get their CDL, they drive truck routes, they were laborers, they work on landfill equipment, they work with engineering, they understand how every aspect of the company works. And then they're not hands-off. They're here every day, involved in the business, engaging with employees. And what I've noticed is it's such a great place to work that there's a lot of families and within families that come here that, you know, mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and brothers, because I think it's just that whole camaraderie and teamwork that we have. And it makes people want to stay and invite people that they love to, to join something good. Yeah, kind of. It kind of combines that that family friendly atmosphere with sort of the buck stops here attitude, mm-hmm. right? We we have these core values of treating everyone the way they wish to be treated, but more importantly, teamwork and perseverance and growth, and it's really what the Rumpke started the company with, and what their family lives by, and they've just expanded that that culture to the rest of the company and, and implemented it into our mission. And, and that's how we grow. And that's kind of what we judge every decision by. Is it, you know, is it the right thing to do? Does it, 
Does it meet these core values? That's smart. Um, you mentioned this a little bit before, but innovation is one thing that Romkey is especially proud of. What are some ways that the company is furthering this innovation that people might not be aware of? Well, there's a lot going on in our industry, and it's very, like I said earlier, it's very exciting. Um, one of the things that we're working on right now, we just completed, we just did a two and a half, about $2.7 million upgrade at our recycling center in, here in Cincinnati to add a more optical scanning, which is um, a type of scanning that we use in our recycling centers to help us better sort plastics. Just in the past couple of years, we've been able to add plastic and paper cups to your acceptable items list for recycling. We also added polypropylene, which are things like the yogurt containers and the tubs. And so to sort those better and to recover even more material, we made the investment to go ahead and upgrade some technology inside our recycling center. So while that's happening here in Cincinnati, we also have um, a $95 million project taking place up in Columbus where we're building, um, and it should be open by about next summer, but we're building a Rumpke Recycling and Resource Center, and it will be North America's largest recycling center capable of, of processing about 250,000 tons of recycling every year from 50 Ohio counties. And in addition to it just being this North America's largest recycling, recycling facility, inside we've teamed up with COSI in Columbus, and we're, have, we're building out an education exhibit so that when people come to take a tour, they can go through this interactive exhibit area that leads them from shopping and picking out materials and products that have the best sustainable recyclable packaging through then putting it in your container and then sending it through the recycling center and then sending then it getting bailed and sent to manufacturers and then who those manufacturers are because more than 80 percent of the materials that rumkey recycles go right back to ohio end users so we really try to push the circular economy right here in our region, specifically Ohio. Um, so everyone will get to see that whole process and actually take part in it and, and hopefully have a good time as they learn about recycling. So one of the innovative things you're doing at Rumkey involves glass too. What are you doing with glass? Glass has been very special to us. I mean, back in 2003, we were starting single stream recycling and we were noticing that we would pick up glass from the curb and when you mix it with all the other recyclables and you put it in a truck and you compact it, it's getting broke. And if it's not getting broken broken during hauling, then it's getting broken during the processing. So we had all this broken glass and not many haulers were, were doing anything with it. It was kind of like, oh, what are we gonna do? We can't recycle glass anymore, it's all broken. Um, so we decided to invent our own system to process glass. And in 2004, we opened the Dayton Glass Processing Facility. And since then, we've done several innovations and just added new technology to make it even better. Um, but what happens is all the glass that we collect, whether it's in Columbus or Cleveland or Cincinnati or Kentucky, it's going first through our recycling facilities in Cincinnati and Columbus, and then it's being shipped to Dayton, Ohio, where our glass processing facility is. And there we, we run it through a series of, of systems, optical scanners and systems to remove labels and caps and to break down the glass even further. And then we process it into two, two raw materials, 
one for the fiberglass industry and the other for the glass container industry. So then we're working with end users right here in the region, like Owens, Illinois and Owens Corning. Also, we work with Johns Mayville. Um, they make home insulation out of the glass end, end product that we create for them. And then Owens, Illinois, they're making the whiskey bottles and new glass containers. So whereas before in the early 2000s, companies were really struggling trying to find a way to incorporate glass recycling into that single stream concept of mixing all your recycling together in one bin, um, we, we were able to create this solution and it's thriving. I mean, we're recycling about 60,000 tons of glass every year and it's growing. Wow. Yes. It's, it's exciting. And one of the things that we're very proud of. Who knew next time you buy that, that bottle of whiskey, it could be recycled. Absolutely. And it's, and, and it happens all in Ohio. So the recycling's here with, with Rumkey, the processing goes to our Dayton facility, and then you're going back to Owens, Illinois, and Owens Corning, and they're making products here in Ohio. Wow. There's a, um, another type of innovation that goes on at landfills, and, and Monkey was one of the first to do it, and it was here in Colerain, and I, I think some people know about it, but in 1986, we installed a gas recovery system at the landfill. And today, that gas recovery system at the landfill in Colerain has over 300 gas collection wells. So as the garbage decomposes, it gives off methane gas. We capture the gas, it goes to three gas plants that are on site, and then we recover enough gas to turn it into natural gas energy for 30,000 homes here in this region. Now we have six of those facilities at our other landfills. We have 14 landfills. We have six landfill to energy stations that we've built. We've opened two in the past couple of years. We have three more slated for the next one and a half years. So we're building those. And then if you drive along 27 toward Oxford, you probably see some construction right along the highway there. Mm -hmm. That is our customer convenience center. And really what that's for is to help with traffic um, rather than trucks getting stacked and leading out onto Struble Road when the landfill's busy Monday through Friday. We will be able to direct um, a pickup load of trash or a third-party truck full of trash to the convenience center. And that'll be a, a quicker, safe way for those types of customers to be ushered out of that line of trucks and over to an area that's safer and more convenient for them to unload. At the same time, it'll allow the traffic flow to improve so that we aren't disrupting traffic on Struble Road. So that's that awesome. should be done after the first of the year. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And capturing that methane gas, uh, you can actually reuse it on site with your trucks, you said, right? Right. So the great thing about one of the other wonderful things about the gas that we recover from the landfill here, landfill here in Coleraine Township is that we take the natural gas and it goes into the pipeline. One of the first hits on those pipelines is our natural gas compression station, which is over by our vehicle maintenance center where our trucks park. There, the gas is compressed and it's, it goes out to lines and the trucks actually pull in and they're compressed natural gas garbage trucks so they don't run on diesel fuel and they plug in overnight and we use the landfill gas to fuel about 200 trucks. Now we have about 600 trucks in all that park here, but gradually over the years, since about 2011, we have made a conscious effort to begin replacing our fleet where possible with environmentally friendly uh, compressed natural gas. 
can't do it everywhere because you have to have a place to fill your trucks right. with that gas. Um, but here in Cool Rain, we're doing it with the gas from the landfill. Oh, that's neat. I, I can't think of any other place that would run on, on methane gas. That <laughs> exactly. Would that. That's wonderful. So in this day and age, there's a lot of people who have myths, you know, from things like Sasquatch to, to whatever it is. There seems to be a myth about everything. What kind of myths have you heard about Rumpke and are there any that you want to dispel? Yes, there are. Um, Every once in a while, I'm doing I'm out doing tours with the rest of my staff and doing presentations and we'll get questions or people make statements about different pieces and parts of the business. And I see it as an opportunity to to share facts. So there are a few myths out there. Um, One of the things I hear a lot is, oh, Rumpke's taking in trash from New York or from long, you know, long hauling it in from other states. That is not true. Um, Landfills are built, at least our landfills, are built to handle waste for a region. So a 60-mile radius. That's as far as waste is coming in to our landfill. Mm -hmm. So um, there's not long-haul waste coming into the facility. It serves That facility serves the tri-state. And like I said, we have 14 other landfills that we use to serve the regions where we're picking up trash. So, for example, we have a landfill in Mansfield. And we're taking trash from that region into that site. This this site's just for the tri-state and greater Cincinnati. Um, often um, we will hear people ask about why do we have to pay for recycling? That's that's another one that I think is it's not a myth necessarily, but it's a question I yeah, get a lot asked. of times. Yeah. And, and I understand why people would ask it. Um, so recycling, the way it works is we have to pay or provide funding for the separate truck, driver, insurance, labor, fuel, etc., to come to your house to pick up the recycling and take it to St. Bernard, where our, our recycling facility is. Now, we do process the materials, and that is a fixed cost that we always have to run the plant, maintain the plant, the employees there. And then we sell the recycling, and everybody that's where everybody's like, oh, well, you sell the recycling. We do sell it. And that money goes to pay for the processing. So when we charge, you know, the $5 a month or so for curbside recycling collection, that's to go for the hauling of the materials. So that's why that is set up that way. That makes sense. And I mean, people should be recycling anyway, right? So that way they don't have as much in the landfill. So that way it doesn't pile up quicker than what it needs to. And it can go back into being more sustainable. That's it's absolutely true. 60% of what we throw away could have been recycled. Wow. Now, with up to, you know, 9,000 tons of trash coming into the landfill every day, there's not a safe way to hand sort out people's recyclables. So the best thing to do is ask consumers to recyc- to separate their recyclables from their trash. And just like you said, it makes such an impact if we all just do our part we all can make an, uh, a big impact in the amount of trash we're sending to our landfills. Is there like a general um, kind of rule of thumb when it comes to it where like you have a, a yogurt container, for example, and you're like, I don't know, is this recycling? Is it not recycling? So is it better if you're kind of on the fence and you don't know to put it in recycling if you think it could be? Or would you put it in trash if you think it could be? I think it's easy if you keep in mind for plastics, a lot of people get hung up on the numbers that are on the bottom of the containers 
And I would say ignore those numbers because that really is not an indicator of what you should be putting in your bin. Mm -hmm. It's really, if it's a glass bottle or jar, if it's a plastic bottle, jug, or tub, so yogurt tubs Mm -hmm. or cup, those are the things that you can put in. It's about the shape of the container. So plastic bottle, jug, cup, or tub. And then paper is everything that comes to your mailbox, basically everything that you have at your office, all that cardboard, you can smash it and put it in your cart. You can put it beside your cart if you have a ton of Amazon deliveries, but please put it out there. But remember, take the plastic pillows out, take the peanuts out, because those things aren't recyclable yet. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for more markets and new ways to recycle things, but that is that's a general rule of thumb. If, if it's a container shaped bottle, jug, cup, or tub, then you can put it in. And rinse it out, right? If it still has yogurt in that, you don't want it's, that nasty. It's very helpful <laughs> to rinse it out for you and for us. Um, however, if you don't, we're still going to recycle it. We're still going to try our very best to recover as much as we can from the, the recycling stream. Now, I will say sometimes we get a lot of things that shouldn't come to recycling and that endangers our employees. One of the biggest problems that we have are lithium ion batteries and just batteries in general. They should not be put in your recycling. Um, There are groups that will recycle e-waste and those are available on the Hamilton County Solid Waste District website. They have a list there of places that will take those items. But when you put them in your trash or recycling and they are compacted or they go through a bailing system or they go through the recycling system and they're compressed, they can ignite and start fires. So we're talking, you know, 16 fires a year, 20 fires a year, and they're truck fires and they're recycling center Mm -hmm. fires. Um, And this is an industry-wide issue for the waste and recycling industry and one we're all trying to work on for solutions Um, But those batteries are in power tools, they're in toys, they're in your cell phone, your laptop, your tablet. So just keep in mind, please, please don't send those to your to to your recycling center or um, put them in your trash. Check your solid waste district. There are different options and drop off points. I think some of the cell phone stores take back the cell phones. Batteries Plus takes some of the batteries back. Um, Even Home Depot has some drop off options. So there are better options for those materials. That's good. And uh, one of our fire stations too, Fire Station 25 on Springdale here, they are an official lithium-ion recycling drop-off point. So you can always drop your batteries off there too. That is amazing. And we love that because, yeah, that just started a few months ago. And it's, it's if you can use your fire department and take those back, that is so convenient. You guys have that here in the community. So speaking of recycling, you guys have an exciting new orange bag program coming out. Tell us about that. Yeah. So right now we've teamed up with Hefty and we're bringing a program that has seen success in other U.S. cities like Boise and Omaha. And so Rumpke, we've we've teamed up with Hefty and we're bringing it to Cincinnati. In November, you'll start to see near the trash bags in Kroger um, or on Kroger.com and Target.com you can purchase these orange bags and they're called Hefty Renew Bags. And what it is, is it's a program where you can put items like plastic cups, plastic silverware, 
um, some of the hard to recycle, we would call them hard to recycle plastics. Styrofoam in there? Styrofoam. Okay. You could put those in the bag and right on the front of the bag, it lists all the acceptable items. You put them in these orange bags and then you put the orange bag inside your recycling cart and then Rumkey will take it. And we will, you know, you put your other recycling in the cart mixed up, just like you always have. Put the orange bag in there. We'll pull that orange bag off. We're going to bail all the orange bags. And then Hefty comes and gets these. And they go to an end user in Pennsylvania. They're made into plastic. They're almost like plastic cement blocks um, that they're using in construction. Um, So it's, it's a new program. You do have to purchase the bags from Kroger. Kroger.com or Target.com. And again, they aren't going to be, they're going to gradually be available throughout November and beyond. Um, But once you get those bags and you put those items in there, you just put it in your cart with all your other recycling that's in there loose and we'll pick it up and make sure that those items get recycled. Oh, that's fantastic. So would this be an opportunity for like those plastic films to be put in there? Absolutely. And like the bags, the actual grocery bags, the plastic bags and stuff like that? You could put plastic grocery bags in there. Um, there's just a, there's a whole list, plastic silverware, some of the things mm-hmm. that you probably have around your house and that you're using even when you order, you know, food from DoorDash or whatever, and you're left with all this plastic dinnerware. Um, now you can put that in that bag and it can be recycled. That's awesome. Yes. That's a great new program. We're very excited about it. And it's we're piloting it here in the Cincinnati area. So if we can be successful here, it's something that we're hoping to bring to the rest of our service area. Yay. So on the topic of myths, a lot of people kind of use the terms dump and landfill interchangeably, but they're really something different, right? Absolutely. I mean, so many times on tours, I'll, I'll get a question about the dump. And to me, I'm like, oh, that's a four letter word. <laughs> we are not a dump. Um, we are a sanitary landfill. And what does that mean? Well, it means that back in the old, olden days, yeah, you would dig a hole, dump the trash inside and, and bury it. But that's not what it is today. Today, it's a, a federally regulated system of liners that have to be placed in the landfill before any trash can go in. And then as the landfill is constructed and built, it's constantly monitored. Everything is public record. Um, it is something that is a living being. So um, when we build it, we dig out a hole. But before we even dig that hole, we have to have a, a series of engineering studies done and consultants that work with our engineers to build this extra it's almost like an architectural plan for building a landfill. Makes sense. And then once you identify your landfill cell, you're going to excavate out that area. You're going to bring in a layer of clay that's three feet deep. On top of that, they bring in a plastic liner system. So if you've ever driven by our landfill and sometimes you'll see a black, it it looks like a black liner, that's plastic liner. On top of that is a drainage layer And then we bring in sand and the fluff layer. And the fluff is just soft garbage, things that wouldn't puncture that liner below. Once all of those liners are in place, then we begin filling the landfill cell. And when it's full and we're not going to add anything into that cell, that particular cell, then we put all those same liners on top. Almost like we're building a, a bowl, like a Tupperware bowl, putting the trash inside and then putting a lid on top of it. And there are two things we have to take out of the landfill consistently. One is leachate. Leachate is any type of liquid that comes into contact with waste. 
So think about it. You have it in your garbage bag. It's it's the juice that's mixed with all the other stuff in your trash lovely bag. lovely trash juice at the bottom. Exactly. <laughs> we have lots of it at the landfill. <laughs> and so the landfill cell's built with this drainage system. And we kind of, for lack of a better word, suck out that garbage juice. And it goes to the sewer district. And that's constantly occurring. We also have the landfill gas. And that's what we're going to recover as the landfill and the trash breaks down, that gas is given off. You can't let it build up in the landfill. It has to be removed. So fortunately, when we remove it, we're not just flaring it off into the air. We have the three gas plants on site and we're able to clean the gas and use it as natural gas energy. The landfill itself is always being an active construction site. So as we're filling one cell, we have to be building the next one because the trash does not stop. As you know, it's every day. Um, So we always have to be thinking weeks, months, years, decades ahead when planning out how a landfill would look or how it would be built. How how old is like that or what's the average life expectancy for a landfill? How long how long do they last? Well, it just depends on the site. Every site's a little bit different. Our site here in Cool Rain, it just so happened that the Rumkey's farm was in a perfect spot for a landfill. There's no aquifer or drinking water supply under the landfill. Um, Also, there's lots of natural deposits of clay and shale. And as I said, we use that clay as part of our protective liner system. Um, The shale we use for roads around the landfill. So it just happens to be a great place for for a, a landfill site. Now that site in particular has about 30 or so years of space left. Um, but different landfills have different amount of time. I mean, it just depends on the size and scope of the landfill. Of course, before you can build any section of the landfill, there may be zoning, there may be an extensive, per- there is always an extensive permitting process with local, state, and federal laws. Um, and that takes time, that takes several years to get through. So um, it's very strategic and, and long-term planning, but different landfills have different amount of, of space. I mean, you might have one with 20 years of space. You might have one with 30. You might have one with 50 or 60 years. It just depends on where it is and the volume of trash that's coming in. Now, the trash that comes into our site is municipal solid waste only. So there are landfills out there that take hazardous waste and types of medical waste. Rumkey does not take hazardous waste at any of our sites. We are strictly a sanitary landfill operator, Um, but different types of landfills have different requirements. That makes sense. Kind of going back to that Tupperware analogy, right? You have different sizes of Tupperware. You got your little sandwich size. You've got your big casserole (laughs) size. That's right. It depends on what part of the landfill is being built at a given time. I mean, I'll often ask on landfill tours, I'll ask an engineer, how many acres is this cell? How deep is this cell? And the answer is a little different every time because every cell is a little bit different depending on how it's going to lay back on the existing site, what the slope ratios are. There's a lot of different considerations that engineers know way better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a very um, strategic process. You talked about before the, the Amazon boxes. It's November. You know, people are going to start getting an influx of those with the holidays coming up. What what are some things that Rumkey does for the holidays to, to give back to the community, maybe? Well, holidays are big around Rumkey. They always have been. Um, there are different regions of our company who do different things. One of the things that's very important to us is to not just be in a community, but actually become part of that community by identifying ways that we can 
be a partner and collaborate and helping on different charities. As we get closer to the holidays, we will team up with different organizations to do food can drives. I know in the past we've done that with Northwest Schools. Um, We will also do a coat drive, a clothing drive. That's here in Cincinnati at corporate. We also team up with um, a couple of different organizations to do Christmas gift giving for parents who need supplies um, and their children. So we get, we each adopt a family and supply their different, um, whatever their needs are specifically, um, do a lot of food drop-offs at some of our other locations, giving out hams, um, different things depending on the area and what their needs are. And then throughout the year, trying to be supportive of different specific needs that are brought to us through the schools, through the churches. Um, here in Cool Rain, um, we have great partnerships with Northwest Local Schools and being p- business partners in education with three different schools. But company-wide and here, we do about 25 college scholarships a year wow. so, and trying to just make sure that we're encouraging students, whether they're going to a traditional four-year college or hopefully if they're going into the trades. I mean, we love to support students who want to learn how to become a CDL driver. We have free CDL training programs. Same with maintenance and learning how to be um, a mechanic, a diesel mechanic specifically, a heavy equipment mechanic specifically. We love to bring students over from Northwest High School, let them be in our garages, let them help work on our equipment. And if they have an interest, we have a maintenance advancement program. So we'll start them with no experience and we will help them get the certifications that they need to become a certified mechanic while making money and working for us. So um, that's one of the things that we like to do. And then for the scholarships, if you know they're going to be studying engineering, um, civil, mechanical, chemical, those are all engineers that we need and we use in our business. But also those students who are studying anything with environmental science, sustainability, finding new ways to work with businesses to have sustainable solutions, we want to support those students who are going after those those education degrees. So because we know we're going to need them in our industry and in our business. Absolutely. I had no idea I had no idea you guys did that. That's wonderful. We have a lot of veterans in our community too. So how is Rumkey veteran friendly? What do you do for for veterans either locally or nationally? Of course, there's nothing um, that we take more pride in than our country and our veterans who have served us so well. We're extremely grateful for everything that they do. And we try to celebrate those members that are veterans, those members of our team. Um, So throughout November, we will do some social media highlights of the different team members that we have who have served in the military or who are currently serving in the military. And then we have special programs for them to take leave and paid leave if they want to serve because it's such a gift to all of us. You know, Rumkey wouldn't exist. Our, our, buildings, our, our facilities, we wouldn't have jobs if we didn't have um, the men and women who go out and serve every day. So we have special celebrations taking place um, for Veterans Day throughout the company. And um, we're, we're hoping to do a, a lot of profile stories about the different members of our team who are, are part of the veterans. And then, of course, throughout the year, we work with different veterans organizations wherever we have locations to support various fundraisers, um, to be at their events, to be participating in parades with trucks, any way that we can lend support. And usually it's a variety of ways, um, depending on the local community, but it's something that's very important to us and has always been very important to our company. 
and our, our family as a business. Here's kind of a, a question out of left field. If William Rumke, the original William Rumke, were here today, what do you think he would think about what Rumke has become? Kind of a curveball, I know. It's a tough question for me to answer because I unfortunately never got to meet him. I would have to think he had he he would probably not have expected it to grow to the size that it is today. But he and his wife Catherine, they started something grand all those years ago, and they really laid the foundation for where the company is and the mindset among the family that's been passed on from generation to generation that work ethic, the values, um, they, they really started something special. I don't know if he would imagine it to be the 11th largest waste hauler in the, in the country. Um, but it surely is impressive mm-hmm. and, um, exciting to be part of. How did he choose Colerain? They were in Carthage originally is mm-hmm. where William F. Rumke lived. He had his land and his house in Carthage. And then he and his wife, Catherine, moved here um, in the 40s. I'm not sure how they selected Coleraine specifically, um, but I do know that they had just simply run out of space in Carthage and there was this 80 acres of land available. And that is kind of what he viewed as an opportunity Mm -hmm. um, to build the farm, expand what he did. In addition to the farming, he also had set up these conveyors inside the barns where he would take the trash that came in and hand sort out the metals, glass, and rags for reuse and recycling because he very much, and and still to this day, um, you see it throughout our organization, if there's something that can be reused or repurposed instead of thrown away, then we're going to find a way to do that. And that is what he was all about. And, And so it started early on. But as you can imagine, in 1945, there wasn't as much here. Um, nothing was really built up in, around the landfill. So their farmhouse sat on the landfill um, up until, I think, the mid-90s. They finally tore the house down. But in those early years, I know that at the house, while he would go out and, and the family would go out and collect the trash, Catherine, his wife, had some of the nieces inside the house and they would be the call center and they would hand write out the customer bills and do the accounting. And it was all done by hand manually back then. And she ran that operation while he went out and picked up the trash and sorted the recycling with the rest of the family. Like you said before, kind of a family affair. Oh, for sure. Yes. And that's really innovative too. I mean, I, I can see some of that depression era mindset of like, Mm -hmm. it can be used, don't throw it away. But at the same time, I mean, it's the foundation for modern recycling. It really, it really was. I mean, that was, you know, he had the coal delivery, but he had the junkyard too. And he bailed up the metal and he sorted it out of the trash. Nothing was wasted. That's, that's for sure. And I, I see that today. And, you know, let's, let's make sure that every resource is put to its fullest potential and let's look for new solutions let's not rest on recycling let's try to find new ways to do it to expand it Um, what solutions can we bring to the table for society's trash because that's the responsibility of rumpke if people want to learn more about rumpke maybe take one of the tours you mentioned how can they get in touch with you 
Absolutely. We have tours every week of the landfill. They're a bus tour, so it takes about 45 minutes and you ride around the landfill and, and kind of get to see everything that we've talked about today. Um, we also have recycling tours for age 13 and up. You can just give us a call um, if you want to schedule one of those tours or just visit rumpke.com and you could click community and schedule a tour from there if you'd like. Um, we always welcome people to come out and see our operations firsthand. Also next year on June 1st, we already have the date set. We're hoping to have our Cool Rain um, open house. So it'll be at our corporate headquarters parking lot. We'll be doing landfill tours that day. We'll have food and games and information booths. So you'll stay tuned for more information about that. And then if you can't get out to one of our sites, um, we can come to you and do a presentation or uh, I highly recommend our YouTube channel, Rumkey Clean and Green, or you could just search Rumkey on YouTube. I think there are about, I think almost 200 videos out there now. So depending on whatever you're interested in, um, we probably have a little video about it. So, and if you don't find what you need, always just feel free to give us a call. We are happy to show you what we're doing, to answer questions, to explain anything. Um, we understand that we're a big part of Coleraine Township. We want to be a great neighbor. We want to be a great corporate citizen. And part of that means un being able to talk to our neighbors and being able to be um, transparent with the information that we provide. Well, we appreciate it. And thank you so much for, for coming here and talking to me today, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hate Coleraine. New episodes will be available each month, so make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. And hey, we're social. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also learn more about what's going on in our community by visiting our website, colerain.org. On behalf of us here in the Colerain Township Administration, I'm Helen, and thanks for listening to Hey Colerain.